Hello everybody, this is uh, your weekly Liverpool FC Blood Red podcast, I'm Andy Kelly and we're mob-handed today, um, I'll introduce everyone who's with me, I've got Dan Kay with me, I've got Christian Walsh, I've got Ian Doyle back from uh, three weeks in sunny St Helens on holiday and uh, and Paul Philbin. Uh, well the US tour is over, uh, last I heard James Pearce was back this side of the pond and uh, running around Speak Retail Park trying to find the presents for his family he didn't get in America. So um, that's James Oud, if you're listening to this, um, the Pierce family. Um, the US tour, Doily, overall, felt like a really positive tour. Ended on a bit of a down note with the Roma game, uh, which brought up a few issues. But overall, it felt like that they got what they wanted over there. Well, what, what did they want? Well, I think they want... I think, ask. Yeah. They wanted fitness, good facilities, team bonding. That seemed to go well, according to Piercy, who was obviously over there for us. Well, what was interesting is that having been on some of these tours in the past, is that there's an awful lot of you know publicity and PR that you that the players have to to crack on with, but there doesn't seem to have been as much of that this time. And I think Jurgen Klopp said that he wanted his players to he wanted his players together so he could actually you know shock or actually train train them and organise them. And while he wasn't too happy with the performance against Roma. There were extenuating circumstances such as them, you know, being tired, and there was always a suggestion that was like a, a game that was kind of just lobbed on the end as a bit of a favour for somebody. Just he wanted one could... more game. Oh, did, he, did he actually want one more? Yeah. Well, he probably regrets it a little bit now, I suspect. But uh, other than that, you know, the, the tour's done. You can't, in terms of the, the actual results, you you probably learn more from a two-one defeat than if you thrash somebody five-nil or or get beat five-nil because they're kind of anomalies that you don't tend to you know they're not even close games which it's a I think you'll be okay with it Christian yourself and Dan have been our men in the middle of the night hence the fact you're round the table yawning as we speak both of you have you've come out the other side um uh, yeah the you know what were your impressions as you watched sort sort of I mean a lot of fans will have got up uh, to watch the games a lot of them will caught up with them the next day um the Roma game in particular obviously is the most recent one um, there were some concerns, particularly at the back for Liverpool during that game. Is it something that we should be worried about? Not, not, not overly. I don't think. I think what you have to look at is, is a the personnel. A lot of the problems at the back uh, came in the second half when you've got Andre Wisdom and Kevin Stewart as your centre back partnership. It's not likely to be on the team sheet for them. You, you can't. You no, know, you can't imagine. Obviously, Mignolet in goal. Now he will be, of course, because of Carrius's injury. But he isn't necessarily the first choice goalkeeper either. Um, a lot of the a lot of the issues sort of derive from from that threesome. Um, although you know, you look at someone like Ragnar Klavan, he came in, uh, he's he's looked well, uh, quite good in his first two games, and then wasn't as good in his third game. But again, you know, you can't imagine he's going to be a, a starter too much. I think people got a little bit carried away. Obviously, Klopp is is bigging him up and saying, you know, he's come here to challenge and and he can he can be as part of the team as as um, as uh, Matip and. And Lovren and Sacco, even before the uh, before he got sent home, but you know ultimately he's he's a thirty year old who's played at Augsburg. I can't see him, so it's no surprise if he has a bit of a wobble now and then as well. Um, so you know you look at the, the opening day. Let's say Matip is is back fit, and you know yes, Moreno has flatters the deceive again, but you know he is the only you know actual left back Liverpool have at the moment. So you're looking at the team against Arsenal and not many of those who failed to impress over in America, especially in the Roma game, will be in that starting line-up for the Arsenal game. 
So I don't think there's anything to be overly concerned about. I mean, this is, my tip was was you know we didn't see him at all, and uh, you know he was meant to have yeah. had a minor bruising on the foot, Dan. Uh, I mean, are we starting to think uh, this doesn't smell overly right? The fact we haven't seen him, and then this other issue is Christian re- raises you know the left back scenario. Uh, we had Jurgen Klopp saying uh, in the Echo this morning, uh, you know, he, he thinks it's likely he'll go into the market again. Everyone's assuming that probably means a left back, which we've been mm. been after. Um, albeit, he's always said it's just a left back to challenge Moreno's position rather than one who, you know, ostensibly would go straight in. I think maybe he's just been a, a bit cute with his comments there, Klopp. I mean, you know, <clears throat> he's brought in. Uh, Carries the goalkeeper. Obviously, we're going to have to wait now. Now he's picked with this hand injury. I don't think he's ever going to come in and say, "Right, this is my number one left back. This is my number one goalkeeper." I think he wants to have healthy competition for places in every department of the squad because that's how you keep people on your toes and how, and how people uh, don't rest on their laurels and, and coast and take it easy, which I think is a problem that we've had in the past, you know, particularly in the goalkeeping position. I mean, going back to Matip, you know, the fact that he's one of you has mentioned just before he's not he's not actually featured since the opening pre-season game at Tranmere. Uh, oh, no, no, he's Wigan. been, he's, yeah, he's played, been, Wigan, he's been he? he played this side, but he hasn't featured in America at all. No, 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 so no. well, well, the Wigan game, yeah, we're now talking over yeah. two weeks there. So yeah. whether they've just been overly cautious, obviously, particularly bearing in mind um, they are already down, you know, in terms of centre backs uh, with Sacco having having a well being out of favour certainly. Um, maybe he's just kind of keeping his cards a little bit close to his chest. Uh, but I think the the main positive for me that that well, that's come out of the tour is it's more the intangibles. You know, at the, the end of the day, the results whether we run every game five nil or lost every game five nil, ultimately they are glorified training sessions. And once the real football begins on in, in a week and a half time, no one's going to even remember these results by the time we get to the end of September. The benefit I think of having done probably the bulk certainly of his transfer business early is that even if uh, the hard work that they've put in hasn't necessarily translated onto the field to play in the friendly matches. It's what's going on behind the scenes, on the pitch and off the pitch, in terms of building that camaraderie and togetherness and uh, t- you know, squad unity that hopefully will serve them well when they get into the real thing shortly. Paul, you'll be uh, you travel home and away with the Reds. Um, how upset were you when you heard the uh, news about Carrius? Uh, were you assuming that he would be? You know, between the posts on the opening uh, game, and you know, where are we with with Mignolet? Um I wrote a piece yesterday saying, you know, basically he's the only show in town now. Uh, he needs the support of, of the fans because you know the other two goalkeepers are, have gone alone, and he's clearly going to be the keeper for the next two months. I mean, mm-hmm. we we need him. We need a confident Mignolet, don't we? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, in the past, I've actually been behind Mignolet and tried to support him and. There's been times at Anfield where it's impossible for Mignolet to build his confidence because they're on his back as soon as he's miskicked the ball or something. Uh, obviously, it was a bit gutty, gutted about, to hear about Carriers, but and I was expecting him to be number one on the uh, first day of the season. But we know what we've got to deal with now. Mignolet's there for, what, two months, is it? But during that time, we've got a few international breaks, so it's not as bad. As people are making out in terms of carriers being out that long, you'll probably only miss what five, six games. And even for me, even I mean, point I was making essentially was that even if you say, if you don't think Simon Mignolet is good enough, he's clearly a good goalkeeper. You know, he's 
we've seen enough of him. He had more clean sheets in 2015 than any other Premier League goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, it may be that, you know, long-term Liverpool do want Carriers to be the number one. and You know, but, you know, Mignolet's no... It's not a travesty to have him in goal. It's far from it. Oh, he just makes the odd mistake. Or all keepers do that. What happens if Mignolet start of the season, finds his confidence, finds his form, four or five clean sheets over the first six games. He'll keep the players, you think. Yeah, and that'll be a huge bonus for Klopp, and because then it means there's competition and Carrier trying to get that number one spot. So we've got to deal with what we've got to deal with. And so people need to get behind them. I mean, ultimately, when Carrier's came in, he was number one. It then makes Mignolet a number two, and for me, he's one of the best number twos in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got, if if Carrier's is as good as we hope he'll be, we haven't really seen enough to. I mean, the way he carries himself, you suspect. Yeah, he, he speaks well, he doesn't speaks he? Well and he, and he loves but... confidence, and he's got a really strong Instagram game. But you don't know. What he's, <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't know what we he's just... like with the ball at his feet necessarily. He's been very, very untested. He's made mm. one good save against Huddersfield, but that's about it. To be fair, we know he was rated what second best yeah. keeper in in the, the Bundesliga. So it's not as if we're relying on on doing nothing mm. in pre-season. Well, to... I mean, De Gea had that, that, that adaptation problem when he came to, to United and look at him now, you know, it could take quite a while. So basically, you know, you look at when Courtois was out for Chelsea, they had Begovic to fall back on. That's a good squad option. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the fact that Mignolet, the only issue with Mignolet, I think, is is the other, the flip side of the coin. He, yes, he could have an absolutely superb first five, six games, but... He must know now. This is like this is the, the, the he's drinking to the last chance saloon, isn't he? If if this goes wrong, then he won't get another chance at Liverpool, and he will be firmly relegated as Liverpool's number two. He's obviously got a chance to give Klopp um, food for thought, but the the main problem is if he doesn't do that, how will that, the lack of confidence affect him? So let's say he has a stinker against Arsenal, you're going in against Burnley then, and he's, he's you know. He's or, a player who thrives on. You can tell when he's when he's lacking confidence because when the crowd gets his back and then he looks like he's scared to come off his line. Mm. That sort of thing. So it's, it's going to be a bit of a Burnley, of course, because that's, that's where he made his kind of comeback, wasn't it? Um, bo- Boxing Day uh, the year before last, and he uh, was it was it Brad, Brad Jones had, had started the last yeah. couple of games. I had a bit of a shocker at Old Trafford the week week or two before, but kept his place. Did his groin or his hamstring in the first twenty minutes? Mini Lake came on. And did that corner, didn't he? He, he let the ball go for the corner. I think that was it. Was that early in the second half? I, th- I yeah. think they were attacking our end first half. And I think and, when, uh, when the, people think of Simon Mignoli, that is the image they have in their head, isn't it? That, it that, is. that five seconds of I'll do this. No, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'm not going to do anything. And, and the Burnley, <laughs> the Burnley crowd were all over him like a rash from the, from the minute he came on the field. And he had the, he had a couple of dodgy moments, but ended up with a clean sheet that day. We won one 0 with the goal from Raheem Sterling, and that that was the start of quite a good run. Up until the end of well, kind of early to mid, early to late March, when everything kind of began to unravel in that final season. The thing with going back to Karras, the thing with young goalkeepers, you accept that there's always going to be with a young goalkeeper, there's going to be the odd rick here and there because they are still learning the trade. And even though you wouldn't wish it on anyone, it, it may end up actually in some ways taking a bit of the pressure off them because they see. I don't I don't remember ever seeing a quote that kind of outlined that it was definitely going to happen, but there seemed to be a perception until he picked up the hand injury that he was going to start. Now, obviously, that's out the window now that he's picked up the injury. So it, it might actually help him to... He's, he's got a little, bit, a little bit longer to acclimatise, to get settled in in the new area, new language, all the rest of it. Study the game. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. But, you know, it, it is obviously a different kettle of fish, English football, compared to anything. It's probably far more physical than 
anything he'll have been used to before. And when he does get his first run in the side, whether that's in early October or November or even into next year, um, he'll hopefully be stronger from the experience of having had a chance to size up his surroundings. It'll be interesting to see what the fans think of Carriers when he's stood halfway into our half when Liverpool are attacking. Houston Mignolet being rooted to the goal line and then... He likes this sort of sweeper approach, <laughs> yeah, doesn't he, Paul? Yeah. Well, from when I was at Fleetwood, I realised he might as well be an attacker like. Yeah, he's that he's that yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see how the fans, how the fans react to that. Well, hopefully he's as good as Neuer is on the, on the <laughs> ground. Um, Doyle, I wanted to speak to you. James sent us a piece sort of overnight uh, looking at the winners and losers out of the tour. Uh, I thought we'd go through a few of them just to have, have a quick look. Um, mentions Origi, obviously had a, a super performance against what admittedly was a very poor AC Milan, wasn't it? Um, we also had a chat with the, also had a chat with Sturridge in the last 24 hours. Sturridge saying he's in absolutely perfect shape. Where, where's your rankings on the strikers at the moment? Would you imagine perhaps Sturridge as the number one, but Rigi could easily play you know, on, on the right of the three behind? Or, or would well, you imagine even we playing all, together? We always had this perception that Sturridge could only play up front and he couldn't play anywhere else. But anybody who watched the European Championships saw when he came on for England or started for England, at times he was playing like as the number 10, coming from deep and the playmaker. So yeah, but, but I thought that was, was terrible, didn't you? Well, he, he set up one of the goals. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, he kept playing I know, I, the last game, wasn't it, where he played on the. He seemed to be playing on the right. Well, almost. that was that was wrong. But yeah. Yeah. The, the point, the point, the point is, is that perhaps he's shown a little bit more than perhaps Klopp thought that he can play. He probably wouldn't be best suited for playing out, you know, on the left or the right or behind the striker. But maybe he's a little bit of a point there to Klopp that he can do it, and that's probably something that needs to work in his favour because if you look at the likes of Ings. Look at Origi, they can play straight across left, right, centre, and that will improve their chances of playing. In terms of who should be playing up front, the person who scores the most goals is Sturridge, and that's where, where he should be. You could see and Origi. From then on, it's about form, is it current? Well, you know, strikers well, have these little streaks, don't well, they? Well, that's it. I mean, why are, you know, you look at the, the players who are going for the most money in the transfer market, all the forwards, because they score the goals, which is the hardest thing to do in football, and who's the best? score of goals at Liverpool at the moment and it's Daniel Sturridge irrespective of whether or not he fits perfectly into Jurgen Klopp's supposed plan uh, I mean we had situations uh, last season when Rigi was picked in front of Sturridge albeit that was a Sturridge who you know was still only a couple of months into being back in the team um, but I, I mean I just think it's healthy isn't it that we, we, you need as many strikers as, as you can get in, in form for as much of the season as possible and Ings at this stage I'm sort of seeing us the man you have for the last 15 minutes, you can just nil-nil, you know, at Anfield, just someone who can be a sniffer. If, you're, if, if you've got pressure on a team and you just want someone, he seems to me like a player who something will drop for in the box and hopefully you'll have the nerve to take it. We talked about different positions that Sturridge may, may end up playing and I think Ings' work ethic makes me feel that he, he's possibly likely to play in wider positions occasionally and be happy, someone that's happy to work the flanks Get in, get in at the far post when play's being built up on the other side. As Doyle said, you know, putting the the spherical thing between the two, between the posts is the is ultimately the name of the game, and that's something that Liverpool have been singularly short of in recent years, and probably why we've ended up falling short. I mean, um, um, just just on Ings really quickly. I mean, we're talking about James's winners and losers. I'd have Danny Ings down as a loser if that's all. Yeah, he didn't didn't I, play I, a lot. I, did I, he? I, he didn't play a lot, and I just. Mm. Of all, we were talking about you know Klopp likes to keep his options open. It seems to me already that there is a very you know 
firm pecking order there in terms of strikers and, and Danny Ings is at the bottom of it. Don't forget he was out for nine months. He was, but he was so starting games against just... Chamier. He was starting games against um, against Fleetwood as well. I, I, was it Fleetwood? But he, he certainly... Did he play the first game, some of the first game of the tour, then didn't feature afterwards? Yeah, well, he featured against Roma as well, but but uh, right he, he, he didn't start any games. and He was coming on late, and I know he's, he's had a little bit of a knock, and obviously they are managing him back, but it feels to me like you know everyone's talking about Sturridge and Origi, and then, oh, don't forget about Firmino as well. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Ings has been relegated already to, to fourth choice there, and you know it's it's a bit harsh because he's obviously he took a goal in in pre in preseason really well, um, you know two goals actually. Um, he's he's looking sharp, and it just feels like he's he's sort of become the forgotten man already of, of that. I'm sure there's time for that to change, of yeah. course. I, but... I, I think he's he's going to have a real rule to play, but it might be a rule that starts off from coming off the bench. But if, if you come off for twenty minutes and and you know do something significant, then you you know you're essentially metaphorically knocking on the manager's door and and, and you know he's going to be thinking about starting you. And then I, I I really hope it's a season of the form strikers get picked first. Now Klopp's not showing anything to make me think that's not how he'll play because I think that's why he was picking Origi. Uh, who looked really sharp for those few weeks before he got injured, didn't he? Well, it seemed like the team was very much being picked on merit towards the end of last season here, and it did raise a few eyebrows when Daniel Sturridge was left out of both high-profile semi-finals against Borussia Dortmund, but the decision was... Quarter com- yeah. um, But it was completely vindicated with the big Belgian scoring both ties home and away, and I think ultimately that's, that's healthy in any football team, in any football squad, if players know that they deliver... And they've got a chance of being picked if they being picked if they perform. Yeah, we've we've seen it too, too you know, many many times in the past. Not just at Liverpool, but across the board, where managers have the favourites, and will you know be quite bloody minded sometimes in, in proving a point. We've only had Jurgen for what you know just over half a season, but so far he's given every indication that he will. There will be a meritocracy in, in place there, and that can only be good for the club. Looking at the uh, uh, some other winners of the tour, especially the young players. Uh, James picks out uh, Ovi Ajaria, uh, despite obviously uh, this groin injury that will keep him out for a couple of weeks. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, really young uh, Scottish player who's uh, been, you know, under 18s captain uh, for a season and, uh, you know, just needs to grow into his body, but he can play a load of positions. Paul, you watch a lot of the academy for us and, uh, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold is is a man who, well, a boy really, who, who everybody watches always sees in him you know if he if he makes the the normal progress you'd hope that he can be a, a starter for Liverpool yeah definitely in time obviously he's still young but what I like about him is he's versatile as well like he can play him at right back he can play him in the midfield and he probably could even play him further forward because he's that good on the ball um, the, tour, the tour's great for him isn't it um, going over with the squad and bedding in now we all know the players if he's needed some point during the season, hopefully he isn't in a. But he won't have any fear. He'll go in knowing the players. No, I could see him start a league yeah, cup game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If yeah. you, I don't know, like an extra at home, you could yeah. flash him in either a right back or in centre midfield, and he'll do a job. Um, before the tour, when he was playing in the pre-season games, he he done well as well, and yeah. obviously the tour has been beneficial for him. And when well, he goes back to. Yeah, he'll go up into the 21s this season. Hopefully that'll be the next step for him. Well, the 23s. Well, the 23s, yeah. Ovier is doing his very best. Not so much to prove me wrong, but um, always a talented player. Um, But 
inconsistent for me and when he's appeared for mostly for the under 18 still mm-hmm. um Doyle, uh, uh, what has he been a player who's sort of who's you've liked to look off in uh, in in preseason he seems to just the steps up and grade he seems to he almost looks better playing for the first team than he does at the academy level for me I have to be honest, uh, because I've been away, I haven't seen any of the game. So oh, you're brilliant. asking the wrong person there. I think you're probably best asking the maybe well, Dan. Dan. I've, as someone who is nowhere near as up to speed on the uh, academy and reserve teams as the likes of Paul, or even compared to what I was a few years ago, I've been really, really impressed by uh, Ajaria. Um, he just looks like the kind of rangy, leggy midfielder who will provide, a, you know, as, as well as some, you know, plenty of ability. Of, physical presence in midfield that I feel that we've been lacking for quite some time obviously he's, he's very young and a bit raw but considering his lack of experience like uh, like like you just pointed out Andy he, he's he's taken really like a duck to water the, the step up in class and looks very at home in you know that, those kind of surroundings so I, I, I would I'd be very disappointed if he didn't get a couple of starts in early round League Cup games, and I'd like to think, you know, if if the if the squad and the, the occasion demanded it, it may be even a, a place on the bench for a couple of Premier League games. I, th- I think this group uh, of youngsters, and by the way, you meant to lie and say you have seen it. I genuinely couldn't. I've not ever seen it. I've, I've been so in bed the past two weeks. I haven't seen a single ball game. <laughs> no, I'm only messing. Um, this group is the one that's always been sort of touted as as the actual, the genuine sort of first teamers. You know, you've got the likes of Harry Wilson just signed a new contract mm-hmm. and Ryan Kenton. You know, there's the, there's a reason to get excited about them, but you know, it's very it's much sort of in the air. Will they make it? Will won't they make it as a first teamer at Liverpool? These are the the sixteen year olds, seventeen year olds, the the players where you, you they're, they're the ones who are expected to be you know being rewarded the fruits of the, the academy's labour, if you will, and and they're the ones who, who can make that that step, the changes that were made to the academy and obviously the work of Michael Beale and Critchley and Neil Critchley and, and, and those um, those sorts of coaches, Pep Linders as well, of course. These are the ones who are coming through now with a real chance of making an impact when they're 18, 19, 20 on the first team. So it's interesting to see already this summer you've got Alexander-Arnold and Ajaria, 17 and 18 respectively, uh, coming through and, and, and looking like they can sort of make that step up into the first team straight away. Obviously you've got Woodburn as well who wasn't on the tour but was on the uh, domestic side of things and scored again well. scored again the other night exactly and you know he's, he's oh, no, he six, didn't he set one up, he set sorry, one up. He's, he's 16 years old you can see him in the first team by the age of, eight, of 18 and of course you know under Alex Inglethorpe uh, you know at Tottenham there was a couple of late a couple of players that uh, like Harry Kane and Ryan Mason those sorts of players who didn't make the make the impact at Tottenham until they were 21 22 for example but now you're sort of seeing the other side yeah. of it and, and they're going to make an impact hopefully before they hit 21. Moving on to the losers from the tour. Um, James picked out three, I think. Um, Christian Benteke, um, essentially because we saw nothing off him, which was basically as strong a message as Klopp can send to him that his future is elsewhere. Got a holiday uh, though, didn't he? Mm. he? Yeah, he got a holiday. <laughs> I mean... My, my, if he didn't play, then I can comment on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I mean, Dorley, I was saying around the desk the other day that... Actually, you know, if, obviously he's been heavily linked with Palace, and we know they bid 25. They were meant to come back with a 27 plus 4.5 million add-ons, which I don't think was ever formally tendered. Yeah, they forgot. Uh, they sort of forgot. I, I actually think if Liverpool are holding out for 30 million, I, I think where do Crystal Palace go if they feel they need a Premier League striker who's going to get them some goals? And there aren't many out there. And I actually think 
you know, the way the market is at the moment, um, 30 million is, you know, at, at, you know going rate and, and at, at least. And I, I sort of think to myself, if it, the, the closer it gets to August 31st and the closure of the window, um, Liverpool could, you know, Christian Benteke becomes someone a lot of Premier League teams would be interested in. And for me, Liverpool have, have you know, they're in the, in the position where, okay, Liverpool don't quite fancy him the way they want to play. Um, you're going to have to come up with the money. And there's going to be two or three Premier League clubs for me who will have a look at Benteke and think, especially if they start a couple of games and, yeah. and aren't getting goals. Uh, we know it's not the time to be dropping out the Premier League with all the money around. Well, I think thirty million is a minimum for Christian Benteke for well, me. If, if he's the kind of player, if you build a team around him, he's going to score you a load of goals, and that's the thing. He um, he, he is worth at least 30, if basically if Jordan Ibe's worth fifteen million pounds, then Christian Benteke's got to be worth at least thirty, and that's no slight on Ibe. Mm. But Benteke is a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. He's played international level, played in major tournaments. I think you're right to say that Liverpool, the longer they keep hold of him, probably the more valuable he'll become, which is a bit unusual for Liverpool because normally, for whatever reason, they're not very good at selling players. They're not very good at, you know, let's face it, I mean, Luis Suarez, how much did he go for? Somewhere between 65, 75 million pounds, which at the time seemed a lot of money, but now looks incredibly cheap. And that was only two years ago. Yeah. I mean, they got a lot of money for Raheem Sterling, but, you know, there was obviously other reasons behind that. Um, but I think Liverpool, you know, they've, they've shown this summer anyway that they've become quite decent at, at selling players. Seems to, seems to be. I mean, obviously, I think you need time to assess all these deals, don't yeah, you? Yeah, because of the, the whole Premier League, even the team that finishes bottom next season is going to get £99 million, the new television deal. It, it, it's kind of skewing everything, and the knock-on effect is you're seeing someone like Higuain going to Juventus for how much was it? About 70 or 67 million? Something stupid where, yeah, where he's nowhere near... You know that much, but that's because we're all thinking in old money. So he was talking about earlier. You know who are the who are the big transfer fees, the strikers, and you look at the Premier League, and I've just said there written down. But you know yeah. you've got Swansea, for example. They haven't got a striker anymore. Gomez has just gone to Marseille. If they, you know, if they haven't got a plan, there will come a point over the next month where they go, we need a striker. Yeah. Crystal Palace again, they need a striker. They haven't really got a striker. You look at a team like they mightn't spend it, but, but Hull, obviously they haven't got a manager at the moment. They haven't really got a striker to, to partner Hernandez. Yeah. There are teams out there where Liverpool can sit tight and go, we'll, we'll let this ride out because there are teams who are absolutely desperate. Similar yeah. to, I would say, I'm sure teams with left-backs are thinking Liverpool will come for them eventually. You know, Liverpool have got that luxury there with Ben Sekhev saying, OK, he's on a, a hundred grand a week or whatnot, but there will come a team at some point, surely, who need a striker. He's Premier League proven. They will, they will pay the, the, the fee that we want. Okay, the funny thing here is that if you look at a team that's got too many strikers, that's Liverpool. You look at a team that's got too many left-backs, that's Everton. Mm. And who's, who needs a, a left-back? Liverpool. And who probably is going to need a striker soon? Everton. You, but, you could be the man, you can make these deals yeah, happen, happen, happen. But it's never, ever going to happen. No. So, um, you know, it, just because these teams need these players doesn't necessarily mean these things are going to happen. Back, uh, back to losers, obviously, Ben Tech we spoke about. Uh, Markovic is an interesting one. Um, James put him in his losers from the tour. Basically, feels he just didn't do enough to impress Jurgen Klopp. Uh, did that thing he does where he sort of flits through games and you sort of wonder where he's been. And then, you know, he did. Interestingly, I did see some stats um, from uh, I think it was Andrew Beasley on 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 Twitter, which Markovic was the Liverpool's biggest 
um, assist maker during the tour, which was interesting. And certainly, I would have been here a while before I guessed it was him. I think he was um, chances created. Or chances created. Yeah, chances created. Sorry. So, um, I mean, the, the, Paul, the, what, what's your view on, on, on Markovic? I mean, James writes that he just doesn't think he's, he's done enough and he has no future uh, really at, at Anfield and they'll be looking to either loan or, or, or sell soon. From watching the games, it just looks like he gets in the way. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a great it's not, can't see that in player ratings uh, five got, got, got in the way like the Fleetwood game was the one that sticks out I was there and sent out some other ones gets in the way like people are running towards goal and he's just standing there doing nothing and um, I remember when he went out on loan last season I was a bit gutted because there were signs that he he was an actual good player and, and we had uh, Europa League coming yeah, exactly, up exactly yeah yeah but with no European football this season. Like he's not going to get anywhere near the side. Um, say come Arsenal first day of the season. I'll, I'll be happy to see a jar here on the bench than Markovic. Yeah. Uh, I always yeah. think when 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 players come back from loan, uh, or when, when you're discussing should the club bring them back on loan and implement them into the team the next year, you got to sit and sort of think. Well, would would you want them to sign that player if they were on a permanent deal? At the other club, yeah. So, if you're looking at if you're a Liverpool, if you're Liverpool and you're looking for a, for a winger, and then you turn to Fenerbahce and go, that Mar- what about Markovic? You wouldn't have done that if, on the on the basis of what he did. He, he was he spent half the season injured, um, and he just wasn't. He, he made very very little impact. He looked good and fits the stars, but he simply put, the, he he was not a player Liverpool would have gone for if he was a Fenerbahce play full time now obviously it's a bit different because they own his registration and it's a lot easier to bring a player back like that but he's coming back and and with that in mind he's, he's got a massive impression to make on Jurgen Klopp and, and it's a position where Liverpool were quite short and even shorter once I've left and he just he, he's done absolutely nothing whatsoever to, to suggest that he, he was going to he's taking so, a chance by the scruff of the neck so are we, are we not believing this is a case of stats not you know lies damned lies and statistics this is a stat that doesn't really bear uh, you know, relation to proper scrutiny. You know, I'm a big fan of stats and, and stuff like chances created and, and things like that. But I, I can't remember one other. He settled the goal for things at Wigan, if I remember rightly. Um, but you know, I can't remember many where you go, oh, he's, he's really, he's really put that chance on the plate there. I mean, the, the one about chances created, Moreno's the, the most creative um, defender in Europe last season. But most of the time, that was because he, he tapped the ball two yards to Philip Coutinho, who then blasted the shot over the bar. That goes down yeah, as a cre- chance. Creative for which team, though? Well, the opposition. Yeah. Or... But that's think... a, that, 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 is a, that is a chance. So, you know, it depends how you're de- defining that. But basically, in terms of metrics, of did he have an impact? No. Paul, Paul makes a good point there about being on the bench at Arsenal because we can just sit here and just pontificate about this, that and the other. But when that team sheet drops at the Emirates on the Sunday, it isn't so much going to be within the first eleven. It's going to be who's not on the bench because that's when you get a very good idea of what Jurgen Klopp wants, and I think there will be quite a few players who'll be, you know, because there'll still be how many weeks? Two weeks left of the transfer window by then. There'll be a lot of players who may there and then decide what they want to do for the rest of the season because they'll know because if okay somebody gets injured they come in or whatever because there'll be some players who are going to be out injured then anyway, so yeah. they'll they'll all kind of know where they stand with that first team sheet and. It was interesting. I was thinking about that first team. Maybe we can go very quickly go through the team that, uh, if you were picking at this stage, what you'd have. Mm. And I, the way I was looking at, it, there aren't many choices in defence. But as you go further forward, 
Uh, we know that Klopp wanted to get more goals in the team. Actually, you know, you could pick innumerable uh, selections up front. But I mean, we know Mignolet will keep goal, barring a, an accident to him. Um, we, we, we know Moreno will be left back. We know Nathaniel Klein will be right back. Paul Scroon is first mentioned in Moreno. Who, who's your left back, Top Milner? Clavon. He can play left back, can't he, apparently? But surely he, he laughed when somebody asked him about well, that. Um, but surely he would have played him there. Maybe. Well, the general word seems to have been Flanagan is going to go to Burnley, though. It's not been confirmed yet, has it? No, well, uh, sort of the uh, information this week is that John's still thinking about his options. And yeah. we, we, we saw obviously Moreno get injured against Roma, mm. and uh, uh, albeit only a dead leg. But, I mean, that to me was, you know, there's a sign where we've got. We haven't got really much backup at right back. We haven't got any backup no. at left back. Flano can play both sides. Yeah. He's one injury away for me from being a first choice. That's what we said this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. I still, I mean, if I was him, I think I'd sit, I'd, I'd sit tight and, and wait for me chance. And you think you'd like to think possibly what happened to Moreno in the last few days might maybe reinforce that point even further. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, that he is on the verge potentially of getting twenty, thirty games. For Liverpool under his belt this season, hopefully, Flano, if he, if he stays. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? Well, I was just going to mention the left back situation at Arsenal. Last season, it was Arsenal the first away, and Joe Gomez played there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. previously, Moreno was at a nightmare at the Emirates with that. I don't even know what it was where he put his hand behind the back. Oh, if we see that this season, I think he should be instantly sort of two weeks' wages fined. <laughs> so I saw some international players doing it in the Euros, and it just seems to be. You know, it just leaves them completely unbalanced. And if they don't actually cross it, then you know, and do something, you're in no position to defend. So going back to, to Flanagan, one minute, I don't think it should be a choice for John Flanagan to make. I think the club should should be making the choice for him and saying you're saying yeah. you're staying now. Yeah. I yeah. really, I really don't think Conor Randall's done enough to, to justify being the next John Flanagan in that sense that he can play left and right. And if it's coming down to playing Milner or Flanagan, they surely at left back. Surely Flanagan gets the nod. It depends whether it's, it's it Gomez is, as well, isn't it? Gomez could be the, that that role as well. And is Klopp taking you know really sort of in a way doing John Flanagan a massive favour in the sense that yes, I probably could do with them as my cover both sides. But John hasn't you know didn't pl- only played what nine games I think last season after coming back from. 18 months out and actually his body needs to play football properly get back to playing football and if he's still going to be just cover for us then you know it's better for John Flanagan and therefore Liverpool in the long term for him to be playing every game at Burnley or wherever which, he would end up which is fine I mean he did them a favour in the Europa League squad apparently by leaving him out but at, at various points of that campaign James Milner was left back we really needed him yeah you know it's, 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 it, it is a, a catch 22 situation and he, admit, he admitted that was a mistake Klopp didn't he yeah and, you, and you, can look at, you can look at James Milner and think he's a really versatile player and everything else but if you're playing James Milner in your starting lineup as a full back then every team that's facing you will be going we'll let's give our quick yeah. lad out, out, out wide because that, that's that, you know, it's, just, it's a cutthroat world. Not, not to mention, the, the, the lad got 14, 15 assists for Liverpool last season, and they're going to shift mm. them to left back. Yeah, I mean, you can get, you know, foot, you know in, in our formation, you'd imagine full back, you can still get those assists. I mean, a lot of them were good crosses for Ricky and things like that, weren't they? So you could still get in those type of positions, but I appreciate the point. It, ju- you know. it just feels wrong that, you know, at the start of a season when, you know, it, it, we're not, this isn't 2010 when Liverpool are on their knees with the Hicks and Gillette ownership. Um, you know, we've we had a reasonable season last season. We've got a, one of the most 
enticing, attractive young managers in Europe. Not attractive. Well, <laughs> and it, 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 well, he, he should be in terms of you know top players. Well, players from Europe wanted to come and play with him. Um, good player though James Milner is. In light of the the hangover from last season, and you know without wanting to get on Moreno's back, I don't think there's anyone having seen that excuse of a tackle he put in. T- 15 seconds into the second half at Basel that would have imagined we're not we'll never get over that that would imagine he would be starting the the case at left back but if if the next cab off the rank if the only alternative to him is Milner then it's you you have to wonder what have they been doing through through the course of the summer when left back was clearly been a problem area, and not just not just last season. Either. Clearly, clearly, that tells you then that they are going to sign another left back or full back or somebody can play both sides. Well, they wanted Chilwell. Let's yeah. face it. Wanted but Chilwell, I don't think he he wouldn't have gone straight in and played, or even. I think Chilwell would have been Liverpool's first choice left back by January. But that's not well, yeah. it's but it's relevant now. Anyway. But there has yeah. to <laughs> there has to have been in the list of where are we weak and why do we have to strengthen? There has to have been a plan B, surely. Well, maybe there um, is. Maybe, so, maybe it's ongoing. I mean, he's already said now that he wants to sign another player. What, he's been consistent what's, to say what's that he the de- What's the delay? I mean, I think it's for a good couple of weeks we've known Chilwell was signed in a new deal at Leicester. Mm. And Liverpool, I think, publicly came out at least 10 days ago and said they'd ended their interest in him because they thought he didn't want... Well, not publicly, but certainly the, the, you know, there was a briefing that they'd moved on. Um, so, you know... Maybe these things take well, some time, but well, you know. and, and, and maybe the. But fans so, just think, yeah, we've done well in our transfer dealings. We've spoken about that. Seems we've made yeah. some good sales. We haven't actually spent a huge amount of money, no. especially if you take into account we'll get you know let's okay we're getting at least twenty five back on Benteke, given that, mm. that that has already been put in as a bid by Crystal Palace. The net spend could be so coming the, in at minus. The, the net spend is not very much at all. So fans, I would say, I'm sure Paul is in this situation. Are just going. Um, given his opinion of Moreno, just go and buy a left back, and whether yeah. we have to spend uh, twenty million. I mean, the, the the vibe seems to be that they think uh, the German lad Hector is too expensive at twenty million. A decent player, but nowhere twenty million player. Um, I think most fans, if you said put Hector on the starring list for the Emirates in ten days' time or whatever, and we've paid eighteen to twenty million for him, given what they've seen of him, and you've had a paid decent... fifteen for Moreno. Yeah, you know, was he was he not twelve million? Twelve, was 12, 12, 12, yeah. 12 million two years ago would have been twenty million now. Twelve because of, 20, 12 yeah. because of the money old. coming in through the TV, yeah. TV money. So, so I mean, what, where's, what's your view on this left back situation, Doyle? Do you think um, Klopp can sort of sort? It's decision making mostly with Moreno, isn't it? You know, he, he you know he can. He, we, he, I felt he had several good games towards the end of the year. Um, wrote about him several times on games in terms of decent performances and then he had to go and do that in Basel but um, what do you think would you just bite the bullet and just say look let's not mess around no, he's, need- only, he's only had him for nine months isn't it or something stupid like that and I know yeah, he played the season before with Liverpool but you know Klopp will think he, this is now make or break for him this season whether or not you can get him to actually listen to what he's saying and pay attention because you get the impression he seems like a lovely lad but he just Sometimes he just doesn't get it. It's the switch in the brain. Yeah, basically, which, you know, know, we all work with people like that, to be honest. But uh, I think Liverpool, they will sign at least one more player, possibly two, I think. Because Benteke will go. I think Lucas might go. There'll be a couple of others who'll go out on loan. And they'll they'll bring... um, I think Flanagan will go, I think, whether that's on loan or even permanently. Uh, They'll get a left-back in, and there may even be another player as well, because, as you've said, they've got 
loads of money. They got they'll have money in from selling Benteke because they will sell him eventually. And and, and we've got to bear in mind still another month of the transfer window to go. I think something that Klopp, the way he op- operates, and to be fair, it's not just Klopp. There, there are plenty of managers who think the same way, but. I don't think he's going to just panic and go, Here's 20, I've got 20 million or, or I've got a, basically a limitless pot here. Let's just sign a left back for 25 million. I don't think that's his mentality. I think it's basically he's got a 23-year-old, 24-year-old left back there who he's had for nine months in Alberto Moreno. I don't think he sees the sense in getting a 26, 27-year-old left back who's basically going to drop Moreno completely down the pecking order who still might take time to, to adapt to his ways when he's already got nine months under his belt with, with this with this player. Therefore, that's why I think he wants to go for that 19, 20-year-old who, while Moreno's learning as well, there's this other lad at Melbourne who's also learning how to do it. And eventually, in, in a year's time, you've got two really strong left-backs. I just don't think it's in Klopp's nature to go, we need a left-back, I'll pay absolutely anything. Let's say a Rodriguez or a Hector, I'll pay £25 million for him. Who cares if in, in two years' time that looks like an absolutely terrible deal because as long as it gets done, it gets done. I don't think that's his nature. Yeah, he, he seems to want to wait for the right one yeah. and the one he really believes in. Um, well, that's probably most of the, the, the tour and the transfer stuff wrapped up. Uh, we've got Barcelona uh, at Wembley, complete sellout uh, on Saturday. And then it'd be interesting to see uh, the side that then goes to Mines on Sunday. He's in a tricky situation there, Paul, a little bit, isn't he? Because... He's got. He'll obviously want to have a decent. You don't want to be getting whooped by Barcelona, which is quite quite could easily happen given the you know the players they'll have on the show. But he obviously don't want won't want to totally disrespect Mines given his his history over there. So he's he's in a tricky scenario there, isn't he? No, he is. Yeah, but as a fan, you want to see what will be the starting eleven the week after play against Barcelona. Against Barcelona, and then. The lads on the fringes who will try and make a point over in Mainz and maybe only get half an hour against Barcelona. Well, whatever happens against Barcelona, it won't have an effect on the following um, week in my eyes. So go as strong as possible and then just use the other lads over in Germany. You'll be down at Wembley for us with uh, Jonesy on, on, on Saturday. Um, this is a game you'll, you will actually see. Yes. Uh, the, uh, uh, you're looking forward to it? Obviously, uh, I think Mascarano back in the uh, Barcelona squad today as they go off to play Leicester in Stockholm. Mm. And uh, obviously, Suarez has been back for a bit, so two, two popular Liverpool old boys will be. Yeah. Messi as well. He's all oh, right. Um, yeah, who's that lad? Uh, I just, I don't know, some blonde, some blonde yeah, guy. Some... Yeah, I think I agree with Paul. I think. Basically, they're going to have to go strong. I think it's one of these friendlies where you're playing at 90-95% because, you know, the first game's only a week away and you don't want to get tonked by Barcelona. If there's going to be 90,000 there and you'd imagine that nearly all of them are going to be Liverpool fans, which will be possibly the biggest congregation ever of purely Liverpool fans in England ever, I'd have thought, for, for, one, think so? for, no, for no, one game but ever. But I, yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm talking about sort of the, span, the number of Spanish yeah. people living in. Well, well, for a long, certainly for a long time, then. Yeah. Certainly for a long time. But uh, I think Jurgen Klopp will... Also, you've got to bear in mind that with no Europe, this is basically the one big European occasion for nearly all of these players this season. Well, Swansea away um, as well. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> Bournemouth, that's normal Europe. Uh, and, and for the newer players, this kind of atmosphere, Klopp at the end of the game could turn around and say, right, if you want that more often, then get us into the top four. Mm. I think also, that, I mean, you know, from a purely logistical, tactical point of view... 
Arsenal or Barcelona light, aren't they? So yeah. it's certainly a chance to sort of give that a Perfect, little trial, yeah, get that little trial run and see how that works. Let's hope Barcelona very light. Very very light. <laughs> uh, you, you know, we'll. I, I think we'll see a much something that resembles much more of a, an actual football game than than a training match. I think the team will probably get 70, 75 minutes. Um, I think the idea now with the two games, you know. Uh, in in two days, is that every, you know twenty two players get as much football under the belt before the season kicks off as possible? So it wouldn't surprise me if you see you know even a handful of substitutions against Barcelona, and then once more in Mainz, a, a pretty settled team, and then just a handful of substitutions in the second half. It's it's not going to be. I think it's going to be more you know not not serious because Klopp doesn't care about the result, but it'll resemble more of what you would say is a preseason friendly than than what we've seen so far. Brilliant. Well, we're seven games in to uh, the nine-game pre-season odyssey. We're nearly coming out the other side. Uh, by the time we uh, speak next week, we'll have had the final two games and be looking forward, uh, unbelievably, it, it almost feels like, to the return of Premier League football uh, three or four days hence. So uh, thanks very much to listen. Thanks to Dan, to Christian, to Ian and uh, to Paul. Uh, this has been your Blood Red podcast and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>